you very much. Thank you all. Very, very, very insightful presentations. We are very grateful. We'll move on to the panel discussions. I would want to start off with Dr. Mrs. Jumofuku. We would want to know why is it that we don't see, we often don't see large business partnerships in Ghana? Uh, thank you very much. Um, partnerships are very, very crucial as far as, you know, setting and running the business is concerned because uh, both partners really have whatever um, they can bring on board onto the table. But we do have a problem and personally think that um, in key we say what you are slow, what you are sort of thing. I think this is this is a, a major problem because we really um, are not comfortable partnering with uh, partnering with other people. Um, even when you um, are working out something and uh, maybe you if if it is you are you are friends and then you want to put things on paper and the next question is are they you know so. Um, people really do not want things to be done that way. We really are afraid and, um, you know, we, we, we really do not trust each other. Now, it's even difficult for husbands and wives to really put resources together to set up a business. And why? And that is the question you are asking the lack of trust, that lack of trust. Um, and the reason why I said, you know, uh, uh, um, to me, it, it probably it comes back to our upbringing is that right from the word go, the child is really brought up not to trust the immediate uh, environment that is the mother, father. Now we are all victims. You are going to town and uh, a child wants to go. Then you promise, oh, when I go, I buy you this. When I go, I'll buy you that. You come and then you find excuses. When I go, I'll buy you a car. You come and there's no car. And then you start you know, giving excuses. So it ends up that the child does not really grows up not trusting the immediate people whom the child should trust. And if the child does not trust the mother, father, the immediate uh, uh, environment, uh, who else will the child trust? So I believe that lack of trust uh, you know, runs through and it starts from the word go. And we grow up not trusting each other. We are not, we are not trusting friends, we are not trusting uh, uh, families and we are not trusting anybody. And then again, also, like I said, if even you want to put things on paper, oh, are there, oh, 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 is it because you don't trust me that we, we, you, you want us to put things on paper? You know, so we are used to not really doing things the right way. And if we should go into partnership, and then actually put things the right way, put everything on paper. I think gradually we will get there. And the, the partnership is also 
key as far as financing is concerned. I know of uh, five pharmacy students who, uh, when they were in school, when they were in school, they put their resources together. They set up one pharmacy shop and then they run and then gradually they put another up, up to the five and then each of them took one. <clears throat> now, if they were going to set up the five, they couldn't have. And each, if each of them also was going to set up, you know, it could, I mean, the, the dream wouldn't have been, uh, a, a wouldn't have materialized. So they pulled their resources together, set up one after the other. When they got to five, they, uh, each of them took one. So um, the partnership is very key. And then also um, each person brings to bear the knowledge, expertise, and what have you. But because of this lack of trust, we really find it difficult coming together. But it is very important. Thank you very much. The next question is for Dr. and Mrs. Glover Adi. Do you think clinicians are afraid to take risks to go into private parties? Uh, well, um, I, I'm not in the private practice, but I'll speak. Um, I think clinicians are, are generally not afraid. The problem with clinicians with private practice is that most of them, they have sole partnership as a problem. People do it alone. And because of that, sometimes the attention is divided, whether to stay alone or to work with the government or work part and part. I think that's some of the challenges. And then also, people have not... Very few people decide to go into private practice as a startup. They always think of private practice as the end when they've retired from all their jobs that they are doing. But I think some people have done very well and have earned very good things. I think um, if that is a person's vision, the person should be able to pursue it. I had a, 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 a there, there was, a, 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 there is, I have this friend in uh, Techiman who started all from the beginning, I'm sure you know him. He started from private practice on set and then he's continuing that. And that is what he, he's cut out for. Um, there's another person who, after house job, soon after house, he told us that he's not going to do any government work. He's goes, going straight to uh, private practice. So I think it depends, and he's been very, very successful in his work. So it depends on the person's outlook, outlook more than, uh, some people also believe that they can sell their practice where you go everywhere, work there, and then claim the money rather than setting up a business that will run uh, for other people to be employed. I mean, these are some of the things that I see personally. So it's not a matter of the clinician, but the person, yeah. whether he is a risk taker or not, because going to business is a risk. Thank you yeah. very much. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is for Dr. and Mrs. Makati. What has been your greatest challenge in setting up the private hospital? Your greatest challenge in setting up the private hospital? The, 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 the private hospital um, work is extremely difficult. Um, you cannot relax. You cannot just take it easy. You don't have a big support base 
um, in private practice, it all depends on the, the private practitioner. And that is why the old model where it was a sole, sole practitioner who was setting up and was selling his name um, is not sustainable. And so um, now we are trying to diversify to have more people. For example, we have 12 doctors working with us now. Uh, whereas when we started in 2010, uh, it was basically myself and my dad um, as the doctors present. Uh, and, and then gradually over time, we've built up to have more doctors um, to the point and, and, and then reorganizing the entire practice, not to revolve around a person, but to revolve around a system uh, is the key to addressing this, this, this challenge so that uh, I can take leave for a week or two uh, without the organization suffering financial loss. Um, but that is really, it is very difficult um, to run a private practice and one must be focused and dedicated for it. Um, and that is why a lot of people choose to have a hybrid where they work in one place and then have some private practices as well. But for me, that wouldn't work because of uh, what ethos I wanted to bring to it, uh, especially working with pregnant women. You cannot have divided attention. Um, you need to focus on, 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 on them uh, 24 hours. Otherwise, you have, you have problems. So that, that was my, 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 my method. And, but that was also the difficulty and the challenge because the pressure becomes a lot. So what we are doing now is to see how we can train uh, young people, take them through residency and um, have them have some stake or, or commitment to uh, our hospital um, so that we can diversify the kinds of people who are with us and uh, broaden the base um, um, to... to minimize or, or mitigate against that difficulty. So, so that has been it. Thank you very much. The, the, the next question is for Reverend Professor and Professor Mrs. Hesse. How easy has it been getting the financial base to pay teaching staff and set up labs? Um, the simple answer is not easy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, you heard it. Uh, we, we started what we have, uh, pension, and then um, <laughs> loan, shareholders. Um, we, we approached uh, friends, yeah, friends, and so it's purely Ghanaian old friends to help us establish. And then we didn't have any, that much property, but we, because of our good name, we got uh, a good loan um, to rent. Uh, that big property and 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 start. We just was it last year, yeah. Just about last year, we finished paying the loan, paying off the loan. Now we're looking the next stage. You're looking for money to buy a crap property, land, and that's also um, another issue. But is there always a step by faith? Yeah. And uh, maybe just to add that, in fact, one of our shareholders was um, somebody I met. I never knew him from anywhere. Somebody I met when I was um, medical director at Kolibu and eventually CEO, one of the uh, people that used to engage with the hospital. When I left, 
he came and he said, he told me when, when we told him what we wanted to do, he said, well, because of the way you are and the way you are so upright, I will put my money in your, in your venture. I didn't know him from anywhere. But I think the example I gave him whilst I was in practice impressed him. So he put his money into um, our, our business. And that has been how God has provided people just at the right time to provide us with what he knows that we need. So we've managed and we continue. And we've been able to pay by God's grace all our teachers every month, you know, uh, and our staff on time. Thank you very much. The next round of questions, Dr. Mrs. Jumofoku. We wanted to know which resource is more difficult to find in Ghana, capital or human resource? Friendly, it is human resource. Human resource is the most difficult. Um, invariably, we tend to, we tend to put uh, capital first. But uh, depending on the type of business you want to do, um, sometimes you can, you can really start small and then build on. Uh, other times you need um, external funding, but getting the right people, honest people, to really do the work for you is the most crucial. Thank you very much. Dr. and Mrs. Glovadi, what have been some of your challenges you have faced in this era of COVID-19? Um, I would say that COVID-19 has been a very, very good time. Uh, people see it as bad, but it's a very good time because that has been a time when we were actually had time to sit down and be at the place of work. That is the, where we grow our mushrooms. We were, we've, we've, been, we've been able to be there and then see the mushroom grow. In addition to that, that was the time when we could also go and People, I think the president made a very good statement that mushroom improves uh, immunity. So we capitalize on that. That uh, look, the president has said that you, you improve your immunity with mushrooms. So buy more mushrooms. So those are one of the things that we took advantage of. The second thing is that uh, we had a chance. The other, the other challenge we had the chance to watch the workers who are working work and work very well. The challenge we had was that some of the people we supplied our products to, like the hotels, they were not actually working at that time. And some also that we owed money couldn't pay because the hotels and the restaurants were not functioning. So uh, that is that. But it also gave us the opportunity to look at the other areas, other markets, which is also a very good market. So those are the things. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next question, Dr. and Mrs. McCarthy. How easy has it been growing a private school in this era of COVID-19? Okay. Yes. Um, it, it, it hasn't been easy, but um, by God's grace, I don't know how it happened when um, the president announced that there will be no school. I mean, we had plans to 
uh, end the term nicely and all, but it, it didn't happen that way. And by God's grace, we just, I don't know what, what happened, but we rallied our teachers. We had to um, take them through some training, IT training, get them on board. And within a matter of how many weeks, they were all up to standard and we had to uh, orientate the children also. And, and I must say it went well. We, we actually um, had a program where we opened up our school, mm-hmm. our online school, yes, for um, students in other schools. And we had a lot of them joining. And, and, and the testimonies have been good so far. So it's, even though COVID is, is negative, I think it has helped um, by Christian school a lot. Yes, I think that we were we were the first school in Ghana to offer a free online school for just was it a six week or twelve week program, um, and we had over two hundred and fifty students enrolling for that uh, online course alone. Um, our high school, um, so we have two schools. We have the main school and then we have the high school. Um, was able to move seamlessly. Our high school is. Is IT driven, like like uh, Auntie, if was a medical school, it's IT driven. So all the students have a Chromebook. They are all online for their homework and for their classwork already. So for the high school, when 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 the schools were closed down, we just continued from home, and it was actually seamless for the high school. And and so we were actually able to offer education for a lot of students who were not even engaged with us. Um, and, and even now, we, we run our third term online. We are now running another term, 10-week uh, term uh, online, getting uh, students from, from other places. It's been, as Glover said, an opportunity um, to show the quality we have, because sometimes the big names in schools, uh, looks like those are the schools, but uh, there are schools who are actually like ours that are actually on top. And, and, and we, it's being seen with, with this uh, online schooling and IT infrastructure. Uh, and that we have. So it's been an opportunity. Challenges, yes, not enough funds to pay teachers. You have to pay teachers half salary and reduce uh, payments to teachers and so on. So it is, it is challenging. But again, the vision is more important. Uh, human resource is, is also important uh, in this thing. Yeah. Thank you very much. Last question for Reverend Prof and Professor Mrs. Hesse. Um, how easy has it been running medical school in this COVID area, era, COVID nineteen era? Well, uh, we we also have to adapt. Um, people have paid school fees, and um, so within two weeks of uh, the COVID lockdown, we we established, we trained. Um, all our faculty, and some of them belong to Legon, uh, but we train them before Legon train them. And from level 100 to 300 preclinicals, um, we started um, the middle of April, um, and from then on, they finished their, their semester online. And then the we did also adapt the uh, for the clinicals. We started two weeks later with the uh, um, online also teaching. And then when the final year students were allowed to go to campus, um, our two final years um, levels, level 500 and 600 went back to campus. And then, um, so yes, we've, we've been running. We've been, we've been running online and all 
staff or students um, have been have been busy. We've we've connected whilst we were not running as we were preparing as we connected them to uh, already um, uh, online materials for our students. So we, in fact, we now are very happy with online meetings, online examination. Um, there are issues, but we're quite very happy with what you have. As, as you know, we already uh, take, take uh, survey. Um, and so it, it's, it's been quite smooth for us. And um, during the lockdown, even our staff were able to continue mostly working from home because we had virtually all the structures there already. It was just mm -hmm. a question of refining them and getting them to work. So um, it's been... It's been good for us, I must say, and we thank God for how he's protecting all the clinical students, not just us, but for the other medical schools, because even though they've had to go back and they've had to be in contact, nothing untoward has happened, and we thank God for his mercies and his grace. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. We're very grateful. The floor is now open for questions to our panelists. Um, you can either raise your hands or write your question in the chat box. Thank you. Okay, David Kupalo, you can go ahead and ask your question. David Kupalo. Yes, thank you very much. Um, the first question I would like to um, ask from Dr. Juma uh, Fokuo. Um, if, if you are starting up a business and um, you are looking at the financing, uh, would you advise that you look at your using your own resources vis-a-vis, -vis, let's say, the equity? Or um, it would be good to uh, take some form of uh, loans in the form of liabilities. In fact, some have argued that um, it's not really advisable to push all your resources um, into the business, but you can take some support so that in the course of running, you would also be flexible to use the other resources to help. Um, I think in uh, the presentation of Financing the Dream, uh, Dr. Mrs. Glo Dr. Glover and then Ms. Glovardi also touched on something like that. So they could also come in and then support um, the second question I would like to find out from um, Dr. McCarthy. Um, I think in the graph you were showing about the progress of uh, the Snell Hospital, uh, there was a point where you realized a dip and you were able to put interventions in place uh, to help address that dip. Uh, what I would like to find out uh, is at which point, if you are running a business, um, how would you be able to easily identify that dip and then quickly put in interventions? Well, we've had situations where people miss that dip and then things go out of hand. Then um, the final question I would want to ask is, um, when will you know um, how to start bringing in a succession. That would go to uh, uh, Professor and Mrs. Hesse. The 
one would you know how to, for instance, at a point when you are aging and you need to introduce a successor to start learning into the business, how would you go about that? Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much, David. Dr. Mrs. Jomo Foucault, if you could answer for us. Um, in setting up the business, after evaluating and knowing exactly how much you will require. Now, there are basically um, various forms of financing the business. Now, you can go the equity way or the debt financing. Now, for the equity, um, it's not only about maybe floating shares or what, but um, your own personal equity can also come in. So, for example, you list all the items, whatever you require, uh, put them in financial terms, and then um, you know exactly how much you will require. And knowing that, then you know exactly um, what you have and what you don't have. So when you know the shortfall, then you will determine uh, how much you can put in and um, how much, even if you need to look outside, how much you need to actually look outside. But because um, of the interest on, lo on loans and what have you, and then also for every business, for every business there are, um, there are ups and downs, there are ups and troughs. So if you go fully into, uh, into debt and you debt, then you are going to have challenges. So you make sure that. With the excuse said, they thought that the border was not going to be open. Hello. Hello, can we mute our mics? So you make, you make sure that now you know exactly how much you have and how much you can put in. And if you are looking um, outside yourself, then how much you can galvanize. And then if you will have to go in for debt, but the debt component should really not be so high so that if there should be any challenges, then um, you are not found wanting. So it's always advisable that you actually look at the equity. And we are looking at, um, I mean, looking at the, the, the partnership that we talked about earlier also comes in. Um, we don't always, uh, uh, most of us do not really explore that avenue. But that is also very, very uh, uh, um, helpful rather than going in for debt, which will, um, you will have interest on and um, you, you, you may have uh, challenges here and there. Um, so that is, that, is what, what, that is what I can say as far as the, as far as the financing is concerned. And may I touch the... The, the third question, which is said, um, um, uh, um, handing over. 
Now, as you, the, the, the business is going, you really need to train a successor. Now, the successor can really be from either your, 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 your children, your, your family, or even from outside. Now, if you want to, to if you want your, your successor to be from inside, then it means you start, uh, you, you start very early and then train the child whom you have identified as having interest in the business. And then you train the, on the job training. And then also as the child uh, grows up, then you, you, it, it does a course that will also fall in line with the business and then get all the management training and what have you as far as that uh, um, uh, as far as the business is concerned so you start training somebody for succession early um if it is partnership or if it is a, um, a, a company and it is not so proprietorship it's really not too much a problem aside, but usually the problem is when it is so proprietorship and there isn't proper um, planning for succession, then usually when the, when the, when the uh, proprietor goes, uh, 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 dies, then the, the business also dies. And it's really unfortunate. A lot of our businesses, as far as Ghana is concerned, um, we don't really have businesses that, has, uh, that have really gone on 100 years thereabouts just because we don't really groom successes. And then also we put the business, you know, onto our chest as sole proprietors, and which really do not help. So you start grooming somebody fairly early enough. Thank you. Thank you very much. Dr. Joseph Benin. Hello. Hello. Hello, please go ahead. Hello, Hello Jackie, Dr. I think the, Jackie, I think the second question hasn't been addressed yet. Oh, okay. Please, who did you address to? Sorry. Dr. McCarthy. Okay, okay. Yes, um, the, the, the question was uh, this graph. Um, this graph shows um, the, the, the business or product life cycle, and you need to understand it so that you don't get complacent. Um, I remember we had Mobitel at the beginning, beginning of the mobile phone era in Ghana, and they were using an analog system, which was working fine, was very successful, it propagated, propelled them into, into, into success. And then suddenly a second a competitor came on. I forgot what the name was. Was it the... Uh, uh, well, and the second competitor came. The second competitor was bringing on GSM technology or a more digital type of technology. I don't remember the details, but so suddenly, 
um, that first company had reached business optimization and something else came in and their business started going down. And that was the point that they needed to have reinvented. Now, if you delay in reinvention, then your, compet your competition takes over. And so maybe as you're in optimization, you know that there's a new technology in the system. You can start investing in that new technology immediately rather than waiting for the competition to come. Um, so you need to understand this type of graph and know where, where you are, whether in, in a concept or a concept development or whether you are growing or whether you are now reaping the, 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 the profit out of the business and so on. And then you have to read the situation. Take a private practice, for instance, uh, every human being gets older with time and there are certain things you can't do as you, you, you grow older, uh, um, packing up certain numbers of work hours and so on. So you need to look at your age and you need to understand when to bring in somebody else. You need to look at your capacity. Maybe now it's laparoscopic surgery and you all you know how to do is open surgery. You need to either learn it yourself or bring in people who can do laparoscopic surgery. And so, so you, you, you reinvent your business uh, there. Um, also, you look at your, maybe it's your facility. At the time, um, Sidel facility was built. It was top of the line uh, 20 years ago. Um, but what happens to a facility over 20 years? Definitely, it falls a little bit out of date and so on. And, and, and as you recognize that, you know that you need to reinvent before you start going down. Um, you also need to broaden the base. And so, so we're investing in some more doctors. We're investing in other people. So that as we get to that optimization point a second time, we can also re reinvent ourselves um, as, as we go along. So you need to plan, you need to read, you need to talk to people, you need to also uh, prayerfully plan ahead because God will show you um, all these things and then you can be successful. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Mariamua, you can go ahead and ask your question. Dr. Mariamua. Okay, uh, my question is to Dr. McCarthy. Uh, Dr. and Mrs. McCarthy, um, considering the successes you've had, what were some of the failures or failings you faced or major challenges that you had that could have driven you down? And what would you do differently if you had the opportunity to do them all over again? Um, the second thing is about the era of NHIS, where most of the patients seem to, well, most of the patients I see around on the NHIS. Um, what has been your challenge with payments from the NHIS? Many of the facilities complain of arrears in six months to a year. And then I look at the reimbursements that they make. And I see some tiny amounts that I wonder how you're able to cope with it. How do you deal with all that? And how do you sustain your business in that kind of environment? Thank you. I'll answer the second question first, uh, NHIS. Um, you need to read your, 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 your market segment um, first. Who do you want to cater for? and uh, what can you withstand? How strong are you um, in what you want to do? So right from the beginning, we didn't go with NHIS. That would have given us a big load of patients and delayed payments, and therefore we would have needed to have a strong financial muscle, which we didn't have at the time. 
And so we did not go with NHIs, went with private health insurance, went with private, went with uh, private individuals, went with corporate organizations. And, and that has worked. Um, we, we, we may still um, have the blessing of NHIs as we go along um, into the future. We don't know if that becomes uh, possible. We definitely will do that. But for now, we've not had any challenges with NHIs. We have the accreditation uh, as required uh, NHIS and 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 and, uh, and and we are going along. So we don't see NHIS patients uh, in our facility at at this point. Challenges and failures. Well, I mean, the, the the biggest challenges have always been HR and finance related. Not enough money to move as fast as you want to move, and have to borrow and pay back, and difficulty and so on. And that's where we rely on angel investors, and friends, and family, and 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 people, and so on. And it, it's actually been very financially extremely challenging. We've never had a lot of money. We've, we've never had money to say, oh, we are traveling, we are going on holiday, we are, we are, you know, we just, we just, we've just not had it because it, everything has gone into a Vine Christian School um, business or, or ministry, as we want to call it. Everything has gone into. So financial challenges, yes. Maybe what I would have done differently is maybe um, sold the land and chopped the money. Uh, maybe that would have made me uh, richer and more comfortable, but that would have not been sustainable, you see. And so really, we would have continued to follow this vision, um, you know, um, go, going one step at a time as, as, as God leads, um, and rather than say we want to do something uh, differently. The issue of HR, human resource, has also been critical. Early on, we realized this and engaged an HR manager who would manage our HR, and that has been a key component. Uh, managing the human resource, training, developing, hiring, taking people out who are not. Sometimes we just have to pray some people out. You just pray, and, and George is an expert in, in prayer. And and you 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 pray you pray well, and 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 the people who are not helping your organization to grow will, will drop out. Sometimes you have to take some of them out. You have to face the situation and say, mm, you, are, you are not working with us. Can we can we part ways? And that tells you that even at the hiring point, you need to have good contracts that favor both you and are fair to the um, employee, um, and, and that spells out exactly what happens. So that when you need to part ways, it becomes easy for both sides uh, uh, to part ways. So the HR has been a, a big thing. How do we have done it differently? Um, challenging to say, you know, we, we wish we had got uh, the best people right from the beginning, but um, and, and, and that probably doesn't happen in any place. You need to keep experimenting. And you need to learn yourself. You need to become a better leader and better owner as well. And if you don't have some of these experiences, you don't become the better owner and the better manager of people. And, 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 and has taught us to, to, to have relationship with our staff, relationship with our, our, our teams. And I think that is what has, has, has helped us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Dr. Joseph Benin, you can go ahead and ask your question. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, my question goes to Prof and Prof. Mrs. Hesse. I mean, to start, um, the kind of vision that they started on retirement is, is, a, is a very, takes a lot of faith. For younger practitioners who would like to, you know, have um, bigger visions like this, would they advise and that they, they can tour a similar path, or if they had the opportunity, would they have done it differently? Would they have started at a younger age, for instance, as opposed to starting it, um, a, a vision like this on retirement? Thank you.
vision like this. Uh, we always have visions. Um, there are times and seasons mm -hmm. um, for everything. And uh, I think I implied that we had a, a vision uh, at the beginning. Uh, we had a vision of establishing a medical, well, a teaching, a teaching hospital, hospital. Uh, and we looked for land and so forth in preparation for that. Um, but the earlier you you seize the opportunity or the vision, and the thing is that if you knew the work that was involved, you wouldn't start. <laughs> it's true. If you, if we, you knew the work that was involved, you wouldn't start. So uh, it's certainly you have to prepare. You, you when you have the vision, you have to prepare, and with God on your side. Um, when you are peace, start, please, start. Whatever the vision is. The vision is always bigger than you are um, objectively capable of doing. It's always so. If you are able to do that, then it's not a vision. <laughs> this hope that is seen is not hope. <laughs> so, so really you have to uh, keep tuned in to what the Holy Spirit the leading of God, because when he gives you that vision, he will give you the necessary or teach you the necessary steps to take so that it will all fall into place. You have to be sure it's his vision though. So that, that's uh, a little bit to add. Okay, thank you very much. There are some questions in the chat box for you both and Professor Hesse, I think there's a, a question, you, you touch on it a bit, but the person wants to know, the reality in Ghana is you are often forced to sort people out before they attend to you. How did you deal with this? You see, I think the mistake we make is thinking that we need to have it there and then. Look, if you pray, God will <laughs> prepare the way such that when you go, it is favor, it is favor. Nobody will ask you for anything. Sometimes we want to make our timing God's timing. Mm. Maybe at that time, that is not what God wants you to do at the time. But you feel you must push. You feel that's when it must happen. We, we have to learn to take time and really listen to what God says. Because we did it this way. We never had to pay a cent for anybody to release a fire. Just God's favor and grace. That's what you pray And for. persistence. Persistence. Um, pray and, and persist. Um, things that also have, we come to find in, in nature that, when people know that you are grateful and gratitude sometimes come with fiscal and sometimes by uh, showing um, kindness and love, uh, you know, people will be happy to help you. Okay. Thank you very much. This can be taken by any of you. And uh, what is your opinion about one going into a business that is not one field? as compared to when it is the status field? Yeah. Hello. I think uh, 
probably we are the best book to talk about this. I think um, as human beings, we have hobbies. Hello. Hello, yes. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, please. We can hear you. I'm saying that God has given each of us hobbies and abilities, which are varied. And also, we've also had various dreams and various things that we had in mind, which may not really be as aligned to our profession. Uh, for instance, I, at a point in my life, wanted to be an agriculturist. But some way, somehow, I was changed to become a doctor. Uh, I think my wife wanted to be a pharmacist, but she was changed to be a banker. You know, so these ideas of really seeing food grow and things and pharmacy has been lurking in our mind. So uh, I think that is what carried us into those areas. People have been asking, when you retire, open the clinic. I said, I, I don't think that is on my mind. If that comes, that is fine. But you can actually go into areas that are not your area at all. And I think uh, so far as God is leading you and you trust that God is taking you to that place, uh, I think it's best to venture into that, that area. Maybe also. Yeah, so, 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 so you can go into areas that are not really related to where you started from. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Our last question, and then we can close. What are the pros and cons of establishing a business overtly as Christian? Sorry, it's unclear. What do they mean by overtly? Right. No, Not sure. What and um, let me see who asked the question. Um, yeah, yeah, a chance, yes. Yeah, a chance, If you can, I explain guess, I guess they mean. I guess it means saying that, for example, ACM is a Christian medical school, as against leaving it as a medical school. It's secular, okay. Secular. Are there any pros and yes? Are there any pros and cons? Well. I'm afraid when you come and see me, when anybody comes to see me, I will quote scripture. <laughs> when I advise, I will quote scripture. So when I'm dealing, we will tell you this is what we believe in. So if you are uncomfortable with it, then it means this is not the place for you. And I believe that when you declare yourself, then you know exactly what it is you are carrying and where you're going. As a pro, the con. The con. <laughs> no, the con may be that people, other people who may not be Christians or want to have anything to do will not come to you. But in a way, for me, that, that's okay. We, we, we always pray over our intake and over people that are coming to work with us. And as um, Michael said, you can pray people in and you can pray people out as well. So we go... And we, we wear it on our sleeves that we are Christian. So over to you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We are very grateful to you, our panelists. Dr. Mrs. Jumofoku, we are very grateful. Jackie, Dr. Jackie, Dr. Yes. McCarthy has an intervention. Oh, yes, please. Okay, sorry. Dr. Please Dr. McCarthy has an intervention. Yes, please. You can go ahead, Dr. McCarthy. 
I, I wanted to 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 uh, answer this question from from two points of view. Um, one is exactly what uh, Antefa was just speaking about, and that is how we have positioned uh, our school. Our school is called Vine Christian School because we want to be overtly Christian, and we want to give Christian education. It's open to any other religion, but um, it's going to be a Christian education that you get, which, which, in fact, at the beginning, we advised, mm, when you call it Christian school, you may not get enough students. We said, well, we, we want the students who are ready to have uh, Christian and, and uh, education. And I think that has been very positive uh, for us. And so we are not ashamed at all to say it's fine Christian school. On the flip side, at, at uh, Sinel Specialist Hospital, we don't call it a Christian hospital. I have patients who are Muslims, if I'm in theater with my patient who is a Muslim, I may not play my uh, Hill song or Stephen Curtis Chapman or, or other, other uh, Christian music. Uh, I, if they request they want Christian music, yes, I'll do so. But I'll still, I'll still respect each person uh, as he is coming for fertility from a Muslim point of view or coming from a Christian point of view. We'll tailor our counseling uh, to, to, to them. Sometimes you're led to witness, sometimes you're not led to witness and you just have to let uh, issues be uh, and things be. We have, we have um, a team that comes to witness and preach to all patients um, whilst on the ward and so on. But the hospital um, environment is not an overtly Christian environment and that we are only seeing Christian patients uh, because it, it's, it's, solving, it's solving problems uh, uh, for patients. So we have a different, and depending on what, what the circumstance uh, is and what the vision for that particular organization is and so on, uh, you'd have to tailor it um, to um, what you want to be. You can't say you have a farm that's growing mushrooms only for Christians and that your mushrooms are Christian mushrooms. Um, the product and and so you need to, I think, have the balance where the balance is needed, and have the very strong push where the strong push is needed. And I believe that um, the Lord will show where to have that balance, where to be strong, and where to hold back. And and at the end of the day, the name of the Lord should be glorified, and the work of the Lord should have opportunity to be done. Thank you. Thank you very much. We are very grateful to you, our panelists, Dr. Mrs. Jumo Foku, Dr. and Mrs. Glover Adi, Dr. and Mrs. Makati, Reverend Prof. and Professor Hesse. We are very, very, very grateful. We have learned a lot. Thank you for very great presentations and interactions. <laughs>